Knock, knock. Who's there? Cock torturer. Cock torturer who? Well, the cock torturer is coming for all of you. November 13th, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on all formats of pay-per-view and on internet pay-per-view via the Fight app. Talking Shopamania 2. Rise of the Cock Dodger! <laughs> now part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, Football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team. You can find them on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All Everything Entertainment or go to alleverythingentertainment.com for their full schedule and a full list of their shows. If you like us, you will 100% like them. Thank you. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up 
F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs, at F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, survive the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Night full of diamonds. Dipping fingers into sea of stars. Arms outstretched. Radiating visage of desire. Spiral galaxies in your eyes. And me... Here, fire-kissed and drowning in a shadow of trees. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the mandate called Dave. And I'm here with AJ Strange Brew. And today we got another Dave versus AJ segment where we're talking who was the better horseman. Is it, whoo, not Ric Flair. <laughs> There'd be no argument. Tully Blanchard? Or is it that, uh... Big, bad, tall, lanky son of a bitch from Sweetwater, Texas. The man with the float over superplex, Barry Windham. For a minute, I thought you were going Bob Orton. I don't remember Bob Orton being a member of the horse. He wasn't, but Barry had to... Actually, both guys had two of the better suplexes we don't see anymore. Tully with the slingshot suplex and Barry with the float over superplex. Nobody floated over like Barry Windham, and he would do it in a regular Superplex, too. AJ, I gave you, of course, the gentleman debate. You chose Barry. State your case. Why is Barry the better horseman than Tully? I know you love both these guys. This one's actually one of the harder debates because we're actually comparing two of the best at what they did compared to when we normally are basically contemplating who is the worst piece of shit. By the way, Um, folks, AJ's going on about three hours sleep today, so he's a little cranky than normal, but that's all right. (laughs) I I think that'll add to the discussion. Sure. (laughs) Um, I I think Barry Windham's at his best here. I think that this is the best version of Barry Windham. I think babyface Barry Windham, even though he had all the talent and all the wrestling in the world, ability-wise, was unfortunately not always enjoyable and exciting to watch mm. i don't know about you but when barry windham turned on dusty Rhodes and became a horseman it added an edge mm. to him that he really needed i can only watch so much of the u.s connection with him and breaking mm. mike rotunda or mike rotunda if you prefer mm. um, i do during that time period <laughs> to me watching barry windham the baby face was just very bland. When he switched over and had J.J. Dillon with him, all of a sudden he's wearing the black glove, he's cheating, mm-hmm. he's underhanded things, and he still wasn't saying a lot. He just was all of a sudden doing actions that you wouldn't expect from him, and he did it with such an edge that I think this is the best Barry Windham. Mm-hmm. And I think that, quite frankly, the horseman at this time, even without... Oli. Oli... I think it's the best horseman. So, to me, it's hard. You do value Tully, but Tully was always the next level down from Ric Flair. He was the heel that was just so close to being over the top, 
but just couldn't quite get there. And I think that he didn't take his role in the Horsemen quite as well as Barry. I think Barry accepted that he wasn't going to be the main man, hmm. but accepted what he needed to do. So I think he was just a better Horseman. I like that that qualifies as a better Horseman. You knew to sit back and recognize that Ric Flair was going to be the man, which is why Sting wasn't a very good horseman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which is why Iron Anderson, besides Ric Flair, is the greatest horseman of all time, because he knew. You're damn right. I want to take exception to one of the things you said. Uh, as far as Rotunda, I like to call him by his given name. Erlen, Erlen, <laughs> that's oh, just God, me, <laughs> all right? The other thing I would say, it's interesting about these arguments here, is that uh, one of the votes I got for uh, Barry was actually for that reason you talked about, that his turn on uh, Dusty was so impactful in his entrance at Horseman. Now, the flip side of this, too, is some of the votes for Tully was because I think he was, even, and here's the funny thing about that, right? Almost everybody that said the votes for Tully were actually all would say, in fact, unanimously all would say, except for one, I'll get to that later, uh, all would say Barry was a better overall performer. Oh, I'm a big Barry fan. But they just said, ah, uh, Tully was more the horseman, they thought. And I think because you look at it, you compare the top two horsemen, and I think this is universal. It's the original horseman, and then it's the host, horseman with Barry, Right. So, because, like, Luger, I think, got into Horseman right before Barry, and I think he was out, and then Barry turned on Luger, right? Yeah, because, yeah, Luger became the babyface, and Barry turned on Luger, too. Tag match. Right. And so... Tag match against the Horseman when um, hmm. Barry acted like he, Luger slighted him. Yes. And left him for dead. And nobody ever says, my point to that was, that the sequel to the Horseman was the best one. It's that third incarnation of the Horseman that everybody likes, and certainly not the ones years after. It's... Barry or the original one? So that's a great point. Barry is a huge difference maker. Well, for whatever reason, I don't even think people think of Luger as a horseman. Yeah. Even though he was in the second incarnation. He was. I don't think what people think of uh, Luger as a horseman. I think for whatever reason, they glaze straight over that. It's like Sid. People mm. don't think of Sid as a horseman, even though he was in the fourth version of him. Yeah. And I think that the two of them are more thought of for their single scores, whereas Barry Windham, for whatever reason, even though he held multiple major championships, he is thought of as a horseman, and Tully Blanchard is thought of as a horseman. You know what's funny, too? That's one thing, though, you're right. And that's kind of um, a thing, maybe because we're both Barry Windham fans. I see that, right, yeah, Barry is thought more of a horseman. But that's also kind of a slight. People don't tend to give the credit to Barry that he deserves. Not for his ability, but for the fact that even though Barry like didn't win that great big world title run like he would have liked, a lot of people don't even recognize how successful he truly was. Like He was right there, multiple U.S. title reigns. He did have a version of the NWA world title. Like Barry was like just there, but it's not really talked about too much. Well, the other major difference between, and I know we're not debating Luger and Barry, we're debating Tully and Barry. Yeah. But the other major difference between when Barry became a horseman and when Luger became a horseman was, is people didn't know who the hell Luger was when he had come up from Florida. He was a big muscle guy, and yeah, that was impressive. Mm. But people really didn't know who he was. 
Right. Whereas when Barry did that turn, it was very impactful. Sure. People knew who he was from the WWF. People knew who he was from his time in the NWA. He was a major babyface. Next to Dusty Rhodes, he might a uh, Magnum TA. He might have been the top babyface next to those two guys. So it was incredibly impactful when he became a horseman. Whereas Tully Blanchard was there in the indoctrination of the horseman and was already a heel. So once again, it wasn't necessarily impactful when Tully became a horseman. It was just, okay, yeah, he's one of those guys. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, like you said, Barry had a lot of recognition. He even teamed in the first WrestleMania with IRS. So, I mean, obviously a huge deal there. I know you know some of me a bit, but you love the fact that I'm referring to Mike Rotundo as IRS. The true, you know, any true fan of Mike Rotundo, sidebar here, likes to think of him as Earl and R. Scheister. I like to think of him as the father of Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yes, he's that too. Actually, uh, sidebar on Rotundo again real quick. Your favorite incarnation of Rotundo? Florida Championship Wrestling, Mike Rotundo. Okay, I thought you might have said the Varsity Squad. You were actually low-key. Uh, I, I do like the Varsity Squad. Yeah. I think that it is good. But once again, that's not really... It was focusing on the group. Sure, sure. Uh, I know that he was the focal point as far as the in-ring performing, but to me, the focus of that was actually Kevin Sullivan. So, getting back to the uh, subject ahead here, Barry versus Tully. Okay, so... Now, I, you didn't know what we're talking about, as usual, today. And uh, I gave you the opportunity, and I had already saw the votes for this. I've, I only polled about I, I never poll a lot of people. Just try to get a nice, uneven number so we have a winner, because we fucked that up one time. <laughs> um, and I got about five people out of voted on this. All right? Now, when I came up with this idea, I, like you, love both of these guys. But gun to my head... I'm truly more of a Barry Windham fan, <laughs> which is more like you. I actually think Tully's one of the best heels Same. ever to be in the business because he's a natural heel. Yeah. I think that he just draws attention to himself and he does have that cocky swagger. For someone who's only about five foot ten, um, he had good power in the ring, great technique. Yeah. And coming from a wrestling family, absolutely phenomenal at ring psychology. So, un- un- underrated on the power. Because, I mean, to do that slingshot suplex he used to do on some of the people he would do, like, he had to have some strength to be all pull off some of that. One of the reasons why you don't see the slingshot, slingshot suplex anymore is because of the amount of power that it takes to be able to get somebody going in that other direction. Hit them. you got to hit them on the quads. If right. you don't hit the legs on the quads, it's going to be incredibly hard to get them back over and into the suplex position. You see Cesaro do a burst of it when he's lifting people from outside the ring to and how hard that is. And that's not a slingshot. That's just a deadlift. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it's almost a similar amount of power that Tully had to use to get people going in one direction and then back in the other direction. I think one of the reasons... I think one of the people... One of the reasons why people don't like to use it probably is it's also not the smoothest looking move. But I, that's one of the reasons why I like it. Like, it looks... Uh, one of the reasons it's not utilized because people don't like getting dropped on their groin on the freaking top rope and then um, <laughs> shot it into a suplex. Yeah, I totally probably did probably give those enhancement guys a lot of choice of what they were going to do. <laughs> yeah. When you're saying, hey, you wore your cup, right? <laughs> so, and I'm going to make an MMA comparison. MMA comparison here sometimes, or even boxing, really close fights will be a split decision. 
But every once in a while, there's a close fight. It's not really a split decision. All the judges unanimously agreed on this one guy won the fight. But it's just because the judges got it right and they realized every round was close. That's kind of what this was. It was 4-1, to one, but everybody that voted for one guy basically said the other guy was like right there. It was hard to make this decision. That guy who was the better horseman was totally blanchard by this vote. I'm not surprised by that. That's no. one of the reasons I picked Barry. Well, here's on. I'm gonna make it. If you're you're the second vote. I'm gonna make it a third vote. I'm voting for Barry too, because <laughs> I actually like Barry. So fuck the world. However, we will go with the honor. It is four to three. We'll give it to Tully. But I just wanted the record to be known. Well, you can give it to Tully. I'm still gonna give it to Barry. <laughs> I thought. Okay, the people gave it to Tully. <laughs> As we know, while we take the people's vote into consideration, at the end of the day. Fuck the people. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're right. I'm more of a Barry fan. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> Randy was the one guy who didn't even, like, add anything to it. He just said, definitely Tully. <laughs> but uh, Randy... Let's be clear about this. Randy, when it comes to having taste and who are his favorites, is a true genius hmm. <laughs> in picking people to support. He so, likes you. Randy Very Wyndham, yeah. Randy also has a huge biasness towards the Blanchard family, so I'm not surprised there, too. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it. Uh, the people gave it to Tully. We did not. We're giving it to Barry. And uh, that's it for Dave versus AJ. We're the Working Fans Podcast. We're out. Hey, guys. This is Alex Thorne, former professional wrestler. And I am the host of the Over AF Wrestling Podcast with Dangerous Danny. Right now, you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. And you better take a look at all the old episodes because they're really, really good. Hit that subscribe button before I body slam you. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today, I got myself a musician, an author, an entrepreneur, and more importantly, he's the host of the Over AF Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alex Thorne. Oh, man, going back to my old Lone Wolf Wrestling days, thank you for bringing me onto the show, man. I appreciate it. No, awesome, man. Uh, you know what? What made you decide to do a podcast? Let's just start there. Oh, my God. You know what? To be honest with you, it wasn't my choice. To do a wrestling podcast. I walked away from the wrestling business in 2012. But I've got a buddy, Casey Omega, who, to this day, you know, uh, he's a huge wrestling fan and he wants to uh, be an executive producer for WWE. And so, you know, with your friends, you just always talk about the old school stuff, you know. You talk about Shawn Michaels super kicking Hulk Hogan and you talk about the NWO and you talk about Earthquake crushing Hogan and all these different things. And he just said, hey, man, why don't we get on a podcast? Let's do like a smaller version of what Conrad is doing, a longtime fan and a pro wrestler. And I said, okay, if, you know, if we can get a catchy name and a good logo together and a decent format, then we'll go ahead and do it. And so, you know, we went forward and eventually it just became me and Danny, who is my co-host now. That's kind of where it started. And I said, let's see how, how long we can make this last. It's funny, I just had this talk. We're starting to do a live show now too. And we had, we have some guests that are like this podcast network on and I'm finding that more and more people are doing, like, retro podcasts, and it, like, basically what's old is new again. Like, everybody seems to love to talk about the old stuff more. Yeah, because there's so many podcasts talking about, you know, what's going on today, and, you know, even though wrestling may not be as big as it once was, it still has a ton of fans. 
So, and they're watching, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and whatever day uh, SmackDown is on. I don't even know. <laughs> you know, they're still watching. So there's a lot of podcasts that are catching up on today's stuff. But it's a, it, with the WWE Network and Impact Plus, you know, TNA has their own app like that too. It's a great time to kind of look back and make use of all that. Yeah, it's funny you brought up that Impact app too. Uh, I just got that recently and I'm searching through it and I didn't realize like, they have, like, St. Louis wrestling on there. Like, there's, like, so much old stuff they had from other promotions. I wasn't even aware this was on there. So it's, like, again, they're maximizing that content, too. Like, video libraries of the past seem to, like, to really be the big thing. Yeah, what's old is always new again. Always. Now, you're also a musician? Yeah, man. I've been playing since I was 14, so it's, it's been about uh, 18, 18, 19 years. Wow. Wow. That's kind of funny. Like, so you, you've always had a really... You kind of always liked being a performer then? Always. Always. Like, the first thing, as embarrassing as it may sound, man, my first dream was to be a tap dancer in 1990. Little did I know tap dancing was way... <laughs> it wasn't popular anymore, but, right. you know, my uncle was showing us, you know, these old 50s movies and stuff where they were still doing that. And I was like, I want that reaction. Whatever I'm hearing on the other side of that performer... I want that. So it was always to, to be in front of people some way, somehow. You know, that makes so much sense, though. I could totally relate to that because, all right, so you're young, your uncle's showing you this, and it just looks like the coolest thing. You have no reference at that age, so you don't know that it's like, you know, something that's a little passe for a lot of people. You're just like, I love it. This is it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. And he was an old school head for whatever reason, even though he was at that time, uh, even though he was like, you know, in his 20s, he wasn't showing me what was popular at that time, Madonna and Michael Jackson and, and Prince. He wasn't showing that stuff. He was showing stuff from the 50s. So I'm assuming it may have been stuff that, you know, maybe his parents showed him that he kind of, that he, it stuck with him. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool, though, that you got, I, I like that, though. I mean, to me, it's like, like I don't know, maybe it's like pro wrestling, much like anything. I like when their stories are a little different. You know what I mean? Like, it's so... Uh, <laughs> Everything like you talk to is usually just the same. I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be this. So you're like, I want to be a tap dancer. Like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know? Fuck yeah. That's what I want to tell yeah, you. I was like, yeah, man, I guess so. And I looked, you know, you, you, when I wrote my book in 2017, that was the first time I thought back. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait, what did I want to do when I was a kid? Because it wasn't wrestling and it wasn't, you know, rock and roll. And then I started thinking and, you know, traveling down those roads. And I was like, oh, my God. That's right, I wanted to be a tap dancer. I forgot all about you know, tap dancing at my little friends' you know, birthday parties and stuff that they would invite me to. I'm sure annoying the hell out of my mom back then, but yeah, it just was, it was what it was. So you had a book out, too. Tell us about that. What's it called and a little bit about it. Yeah, so the book is called I Am Thorn, How I Broke the Chains of Mediocrity and Learned How to Live to Win. I started to write it because I had noticed that, wow, I'm only like 27 years old at that time. 27 years old and I'm like I not only filmed for some of the biggest stars that came through Chicago with my company Jet Dragon Productions I was already in Texas and Arizona and New York and LA playing in rock bands when I was 15, 16, 17 but then I became a wrestler for four years and then after that I had a successful personal training business where I had three buildings here in Chicago and I'm like I'm only 27 like this is something to write about and I just started kind of traveling down those roads of remembering things and putting it into a book form. And it took about a year, year and a half to get it all together, a little under a thousand dollars. And I launched it on Amazon and on my, uh, I am website. 
And it sold really well, man. I was surprised at how many people, you know, were willing to take photos with it and bought the physical copies. It's just crazy that at 27, 28, I think I released it, I was able to tell people my life story and say, it's not even done yet. I haven't gotten started. Would you say that you've always had a knack for promotion? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. I appreciate it because I'm like listening to this and I'm like thinking like, okay, you're way ahead of where I was at that point, right? You know, like understanding the game, you know, it's, uh, I was talking to, I think it was Ken Anderson we had on the show and we were talking about how basically that, you know, it's important to grind, hustle. And you always hear people say that, but also I feel like timing is so important in life too. Like you can, you know, you can go for something, but it can be the complete wrong time or you can go for something the right time. And I guess what I was going to ask you, too, is how important has timing been in your life? Really important, man. you got to strike when the iron's hot. Like, right now, let's put it this way. We're doing, we're in a pandemic that, you know, nobody saw coming at this time last year. Maybe some of the scientists did and so forth, but nobody walking the streets saw this coming. Mm. And right now, and again, even though I'm not trying to self-promote, but we're talking about me here, I have my own supplement company coming out called T-Cell Nutrition. Yep. And I initially was thinking like, oh, this is, it'll be a good time to launch. And then the pandemic happened. I was like, wait, this is the perfect time to launch. (laughs) Like, because people are afraid to go to the gym. People don't want to catch, you know, what's going on outside and be in big uh, groups. But if if they can do anything, it's at least supplement their nutrition. And, And yeah, they could try to eat better, but at least if they got some supplements to try to get them going, that'll be great. So I think, you know, striking why the iron's hot is really important. I mean, no different with the rock and wrestling era. You know, Hogan and Vince McMahon struck at the right time. Austin mm-hmm. and Vince struck at the right time. The NWO, that was another thing that just struck at the right time. And I think timing is everything. You got to look at everything around you and say, you know what? Yeah, this, we, we got to jump into this right now. You know, we're jumping all over the place, and I love it. Actually, I, I like interviews like this. I want to ask you now because I think we basically are around the same age. And I, you were there for both boom periods. Like, we're talking about the NWO attitude there, but I was always, my first memory of wrestling, like, where I got hooked on it. Like, in, was Jimmy Snuka getting the coconut cracked over his head by Rowdy Piper. What got you into wrestling? Like, what really hooked you? Brother, the first memory is Hogan and Big Boss Man inside of the Big Blue Steel Cage <laughs> on Saturday night's main event. I mean... I know my first memory, like the very first memory I have is walking down the street, holding my mom's hand. And then the other hand, I had a Hogan figure and uh, I think a Ted DiBiase figure. But the moment, like that wrestling moment that sticks out in my head that's like, oh my God, this was it, was Hogan and Big Boss Man in the Big Blue Steel Cage. And I didn't even put the, you know, I didn't even put everything together that that was right at the launch of No Holds Barred, Hogan's movie. Because that's when Zeus debuted on that episode of uh, Saturday Night's Main Event. No wonder I have such an affinity for that movie and the colors and everything because it was my first real big memory. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting, too, like, those two in particular, I feel like, had an underrated chemistry. Like, I've just heard a lot of people who remember that. Like, I look back at Big Boss Man, and he was such a character. Like, he fit in with that time period. But, boy, like, what a tremendous worker for that size, the bumps and everything he would do, too. Like, what a perfect foil for Hogan at that time. He was really unique because he didn't bump. I mean, even to this day, I've never seen anybody bump like him there's a couple unique bumpers it's like him randy savage has a certain way of bumping that nobody else did sting 
Yeah. If you ever look at it, he has a really odd way of selling. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's ever sold like him or bumped like him. So yeah, Bossman is one of those unique guys that, you know, for his side, that baseball slide yes. that he would do to the outside constantly, it was so cool. I um I also enjoyed the Sergeant Slaughter would take his bump over the turnbuckle and like for a big guy he would go completely flying and outside the ring sometimes and I'm like what the <laughs> hell you could do that <laughs> you know? yeah well but you know what the thing about Sarge was he looked a little he looked a little like goofy though right <laughs> he did and that's why I would never that's why I totally catch you off guard when he could do something like that I was like what the fuck? right cheese <laughs> sound nutrition we talked about musician. You're an author. Obviously, you're a great entrepreneur, as we've learned. What would you uh, maybe give some advice for for people who like are trying to grind out there, whether it's a podcast or your business? Like, you know, some maybe some technical advice on just hanging in there, or you know, how to promote yourself. Promote, promote, promote. Mm. That that would be the biggest. Even if your idea is like half baked, I'd say promote the hell out of it because. That's the one thing people forget to do. They put so much work, let's say, into podcasts. Um, they'll put a lot of work into the quality of the podcast and research, but they don't know how to get it out to people to hear it and listen to it. No matter what you're doing, man, promote, especially now with like social media. We've got the greatest chance to grab the exact people we want for whatever our business is. You can literally say, if you come down, you know, you take a, maybe 30 minutes to, to an hour, and take a blank sheet of paper and say, who do I want as my customer? You can actually say, this is the age range, this is what they make, this is where they live, this is what they like, and you can plug that into Facebook and Twitter. You can actually get the exact person you want for your podcast, and it's never been easier than it is now. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too is, um, yeah, there's never been a time to like just free promote right like that's what basically like the all social media is it's free promotion for you right now i was saying this to somebody though but it, what is interesting is and i'm wondering too with COVID now too what everybody like you're talking about too like you know nobody wants to leave the house sometimes like a lost skill i see happening is the face-to-face verbal and even the phone call itself like we're kind of going somewhere where i've noticed where some people are afraid i saw this great meme the other day where it was like this guy looking down on us from heaven and the caption was like my ancestors looking at me knowing they had to fight for food and i'm having a panic attack ordering a pizza and i thought man that is so true right now right (laughs) yeah that's good that's good and i just like so i guess what i'm saying too is uh, in a roundabout way is Promote, promote, but also if you have the skill right now that you can communicate and you're not afraid to go up to somebody to talk to them face-to-face or get on the phone, you should probably look at doing a business or something because you're already ahead of a lot of people and have a skill that a lot of people don't right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're 100% right with that. I, you know, earlier you mentioned Ken Anderson. Yes. He's an interesting guy. He, I actually went to TNA because I trained with his trainer. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I had went to, and it was like a December pay-per-view that TNA had. He was supposed to be facing Jeff Hardy. Mm. And we got the, the hard camera seats. So right where the hard camera is, where it used to be, I don't know what they do now in Impact. But in 2009, 2010, where the hard camera is, that's where they seat friends and family. And we were supposed to go there because we got invited by Ken Anderson, me and his, and his trainer. And what's funny was I think that was that time when Jeff Hardy had like completely busted Ken's back of his head open or something like that with a weird chair shot. Mm. And he couldn't make it, so he got replaced by Matt Morgan. But 
that would have been my time to really get in and, you know, start talking to Ken. But, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to, uh, like, expand my relationship with him, just uh, basically as trainer. But I did get backstage at TNA and met the rest of the guys back there. So that was cool. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, um, I guess my story with him, too, is I... I'm meaning to have him back on, but as you know, you just keep grinding and you meet a lot of different people. But the day I interviewed him, and I've never asked about this, I, I know why he wouldn't tell me. It makes perfect sense, but the timing of it was so funny. I recorded the interview on a Thursday. He was working for NWA Power. He was supposed to be on a pay-per-view Friday, and then he wasn't there because he was injured, but nobody knew about it. Obviously, he wouldn't tell me either, so I turned in the pay-per-view, and I'm telling my friends, I just interviewed this guy yesterday, man. What a great interview. He's going to be on the show, and I'm like, oh, wait, where the fuck's Ken? <laughs> and then I found out afterwards the story from, you know, because I never wanted to be, you know, you interview someone, but I don't know him, so I'm like, that's not my place to ask. So then I found out afterwards, oh, he had an injury, the timing was kind of close and i was like okay i was like but it was just the timing of it i'm like man of all the times to interview him like you know <laughs> that's hilarious the over af wrestling podcast there's a uh, format you were telling me about too like you guys do this in season which i think is pretty cool because i always think leave them wanting more myself promote it as best you can why should people watch this what's different about it listen watch what a dumbass but you know what i mean <laughs> i get you brother yeah no you know what it's really cool because Again, me and Danny, we come from that same era, which is around that 80s, that golden era. Um, and the thing is that he continued to be a pro wrestling fan while I got into pro wrestling in 2008. So he has that per- that perspective of looking at it from the outside, and I have that perspective of looking at it from the inside. And honestly, when we go back and look at these podcasts, it's a, oh, I'm sorry, when we go back and look at these pay-per-views, because it is a retro podcast, I see them differently. Now, right? I can't. I can't watch. <laughs> I can't watch the Attitude Era and mark out like I used to because I know so much more now than I did then. And so I look at like the quality of work rate versus him. He looks at you know looks at it with nostalgia. Right. But you know we also realize that there are people that watch wrestling today. There are going to be people who want to know what's going on today or talk about today. So not only do we talk about an old school pay-per-view, but we have a segment called What's Over Now, where Danny goes over what's been happening in pro wrestling the last week for about five to ten minutes. And we also have a segment called the Over AF Wrestling Game of the Week, where we take a few minutes out to talk about one of the old school wrestling games, like No Mercy, or WWF The Arcade Game, or WCW Versus The World. And it's just really cool, because we kind of cover all of that fandom that we have, and you hear us having fun, man, and that's that's the thing that so many of us get together and we talk about old school things and things we remember. And this is just like talking to your friends. So it's a fun podcast to be a part of. And that's the over at wrestling podcast. And I, like I said, I really like the fact you're doing it in seasons. I was just telling somebody to me, that's one of the things we could use a little more of, you know, everything's so binge, you know? So if like you can make people wait for it and want it, I was like, that's a good thing. You know? Yeah. Well, in between seasons too, like for one, you don't want to have burnout. Because you you know with running a podcast, you're pretty much doing everything. You're not only distributing, you're doing the album art, you're contacting people for it, you're doing research. It can get daunting, so it's to avoid burnout, but it's also to give people a chance to catch up on all the older episodes. It's a good time to promote all the older stuff and kind of get together and plan between me and Danny uh, about what we want to do in the next season and if there's anything new we want to introduce. Is there anything else you want to promote, sir? Anything else you want to talk about? Floor's yours. (laughs) 
my God, man. You know what? The one thing I do want to talk about that I touched on earlier was uh, my new uh, nutrition brand, yep. T-Cell Nutrition. And again, it's, it's, it's something that I had a passion for about five years ago when I was just getting done with my personal training business, just wrapping it up there. But something I've always been passionate about, even when I was wrestling and when I was personal training, was making sure that I was supplementing well because the foods that we eat, you know how much you know how much fake stuff is in those foods, man. Yeah. Uh, we're we're barely eating things that should be in our bodies now, and it's really important to me, especially with COVID, to keep you know vitamin C, vitamin D, and multivitamins. For some people, that stuff is boring, but man, right now it's so necessary. So, if you're interested in keeping your immune system up, then take a look at T cell nutrition. We've got our first multivitamin coming out called Cyber V. And that's going to be out on the market and out for pre-sale in about two weeks. Awesome, man. That's good to hear. You're right. It is the right time to do that. Actually, myself, I've definitely loaded up on the vitamins in this time. And I think the same thing. Like, like you know, people will tell you, like, you know, oh, well, if you get sick, go here. To me, it's like, okay, what about taking care of yourself so you just don't get sick? You know, do the best you can. Yeah. Right? To me, it's like, that's right yeah, there. Really? Come on, you know? You can try. Right. <laughs> yeah, take effort. Don't, you know. <laughs> Go back to that meme, the panic attack over ordering a pizza. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, any social media you want to plug to? Yeah, for sure. If you're on Twitter, follow us at OverAFPod. That's our handle there. And, of course, it's OverAFPod.com, so you can catch up on everything that we've done. Um, if you actually head over to my website, IamThorn.com, there's a shop on there that where we have over AF merchandise. And if you have a business that's looking to get promoted, especially in these times, write us at overafpod at yahoo.com because we can get together with you, put together a 30 second to a 60 second commercial and get your business heard. Cause right now we have 18,000 downloads. We've got over a hundred five-star reviews on iTunes. And we're just rocking and rolling in places like Canada. We've got so many downloads in, in the United States. Mexico, Brazil, Bangladesh, China. It's just crazy when you look at the map and see where the downloads are coming from. So if you've got a business and you want to get exposure, write to us at overafpod.yahoo.com. We'll help you out. Awesome. I might message you myself after, so. Uh. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. No problem. Awesome, man. All right. I appreciate when someone puts a little something on it, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Welcome to the 531, where we debate a top five list on a particular subject further discuss it down to a top three, and then eventually settle on a top one. Now after this beat, we'll get to today's subject. Strange, bro, 
for our top five NWA wrestlers. Guys, how are you holding up on this action day today? Oh, I just went, well, I just waited in line for two hours because I didn't get my absentee ballot. <laughs> so, yeah, waiting two hours to vote's a tremendous thing. That's a dedicated man right there. All right. But I'll tell you what we're, we're going to vote on instead. Right now, we're about to vote on the top five matches of the National Wrestling Alliance. And that's what I want to talk about. I thought you wanted to talk about that Joe only goes to Maine because he found out the state bird is a puffin. He <laughs> <laughs> definitely is this week, but I'm going to bring you a fan from a neighboring state. We got Jesse from New Hampshire. Mm. And he's got the Flair versus Steamboat from the Chi-Town Rumble. He's got the Tully versus Magnum. I can quit. He's got the Midnights versus the Road Warriors scaffold match. He's got Dusty versus Flair, the Bash Page match. And he's got Cody versus Aldis, the first final match. AJ, are you still alive? What do you think about that? Wow, wow I cannot believe he put Cody and Nick Aldis on there. I applaud him going with current NWA and it not being Zicky Dice. That's fine. <laughs> To me, the scaffold match doesn't belong there. He's got a right to his opinion, as everybody does. But sometimes your opinions are just wrong. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Me and Joe talked a little bit off air. We had to record this one again. We had some issues. And uh, I actually agree with you a little bit on that. The scaffold match is quite the spectacle. But in its premise, it is very hard to wrestle when you're hanging on a scaffold for your life, trying not to break your actual neck. <laughs> no, no, great. Yeah, like you said, great spectacle. But when it comes to actually being a wrestling match, straight garbage. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the appeal of it is really Cornette falling from the scaffold mm. and knowing that he busted out his knees because he fell too fast for Bob and catch him like he was supposed to. Mm. Well, I think that I think that's enjoyable for anybody who's ever talked to Jim Cornette. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Motherfucker. All right, I got my boy Jake St. John here. He's got a list. He the show tomorrow night. By the time you'll listen to this, he would have been on last night's episode. Fun fact for you guys. Wednesday, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Mm. Check us out. Sign Check us out. That's all right. We need views. Check us out. <laughs> we got uh, Jake's list out of here. He's got the Steiners versus Hirose Hase and Masahiro Chono. He's got Funk versus Flair and I quit match. Now, some of these guys did put WCW stuff in here, but that's fine. I'm going to include it. We got Eddie Guerrero versus Benoit in their debut on Nitro for both men. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, Halloween Havoc 97. And Brian Pillman versus Jushin Liger, Super Brawl 92. Wow. Now, Dave, you have a definite distinction between NWA and WCW. Yes. That you were not, not a fan of WCW matches hitting this list. What is the big, like, kind of dividing line to you between the two companies? I think eventually they're, they're separate promotions. I think the lines got blurred as a kid. I could tell you I didn't know NWA was bought out by WCW at one point because they had kind of blurred the lines. And in retrospect, I like to kind of go back and I like to kind of divide them up that way. That's all. It's just a thing, me personally know that they were two different promotions, even if the lineage was the same for a while. Yeah, it didn't First, help that the WCW had that NWA belt for a little bit and had that kind of confusing crossover. It did. 
Personally, I say it's important to be understanding of our fans. <laughs> and you know what? If they don't understand the timeline, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Very understanding of you, sir. <laughs> Jake St. John can write a poem, but he can't write a list. Now, next on the list, I'm going to give you me, because I'm only one of three lists I got. Mm. Dave, uh, sit down for a second, because I got Flair versus Ray Starcade 83. Ain't worth a shit. <laughs> I got Tully versus Magnum, the I Quit match. That's a winner. I've got the Midnights versus the Rock and Roll, and any match they were in. I've got Cody versus Aldis, the two out of three falls match. And I've got Flair versus Vader from Clash of the Champions. I believe it's Flair versus Vader because it's the one where they start at Flair's house and yeah. they're sitting there talking with him, and then they get him into the limo yeah. and you're, get him to the arena. You're close. It is Vader Flair, but it's Starcade 93. Ah, shit, either way. Yeah. <laughs> Still a good one. It is a good one. <laughs> one of my favorites. That was actually the genesis of me and AJ's friendship. So. Oh, yeah, wow. you, can bl- you can blame Vader and Flair. Yeah. I included it because, for me, it's one of the more memorable, and now that you divide it up, it's one of the more memorable WCW moments. But, I mean, growing up for me, WCW was kind of always NWA, whether it was Crockett Promotions, the Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Tia Turner. Kind of muddies to me. To me, that limo ride with Tony Schiavone was almost as good as the one with Cody. Oh, sure. I feel like he's trying to pop us with that one. I agree, and then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, speaking of memorable list, I got my boy Mike Flynn here. He always has a good list. Mike Flynn's got Terry Funk versus Ric Flair, I quit match. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, Wrestle War 89. Flair versus Barry Windham, Crockett Cup 87, I believe that was. Steamboat versus Flair, Clash of the Champions. That is the uh, Raging Cajun event in New Orleans. And Flair versus Sting, and that's the first Clash of Champions. So, solid list. good list. No, it's a very good list by Mike Flynn. Yeah. Kid fucking brings it. Kid fucking brings it every time. Joe, who you got left here? I was gonna say, speaking of bringing it every time, we didn't forget him this week. The man with the plan. He's causing harm on the farm. That's Randy Osga, and he's got flair. No fucking limits, baby, Randy. What's up? (laughs) He's got flair versus Funk. I quit match. Flair versus Steamboat. Shy Town. He's got Tully versus Magnum, I quit match. He's got Piper versus Valentine, dog collar match. And he's got Sting versus Vader, Starcade 92. Wow. What I'm, is- glad they, I'm glad they took the plow off him long enough. He came up with a good list. Yes. They took the plow off of Valentine and Piper too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? What you're seeing on this list is Flair and Steamboat are making a lot of lists, but the matches are getting divided up. Whereas They do. They had so many memorable matches, unfortunately, that they're taken away from each other. Right. So, like, like that. And this next list, like, I got from Scott. We'll see a similar thing here. Again, Flair versus Funk, I quit match. Magnum versus Tully, I quit match. Flair versus Steamboat, Wrestle War 89. Scott also has the first several war games. And Flair versus Sting from the Clash '88. So wow. we've seen about three different Flair Steamboat matches on these lists, 
But we've also seen a Flair Funk I quit match pretty much on everybody's list, and it's the same match. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was disappointed when I saw that Scott had War Games on his list that I didn't include it. Because I've been listening to the Laps fan retrospective on War Games and going back and watching a few of those events. And that's got to be one of the premier NWA events of the time. One of their biggest gimmick events, I would believe. Yeah, I would say so. You know, it's funny. I'm just looking. I'm just going to go right to my next list here. And then AJ will get you a list in here. But I got Zach. And again, this one, I guess, is a little more of the popular one. Flair, Steamboat, 89, Russell War. I feel like that's popping up a little more. Flair versus Funk, I quit match. Flair and Sting versus Muda and Funk in the Thunderdome cage. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I knew that was coming. That's where Muda put out the fire with the miss, man. He's a Japanese hero. <laughs> yeah, Zach, right he is. Zach, Zach doesn't do many stupid things, but welcome, Zach, to the hey, Club. That's also where I overheard it just recently where um, Muda was climbing near the electrical fence, and Jim Ross said, better be careful. He's about to be fried wonton up there, <laughs> which is totally not oh, something God. you could say now, but back then you could. Be careful mentioning that. You're going to get Jim Ross canceled. <laughs> yeah. We got the Crockett Cup 87 finals, the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express. We Hey, AJ, has he redeemed himself yet? We got Flair versus Nikita, Starcade 86. And we also have, oh, I think I just gave you all of them, yeah. I, I forgot, I also have a list from Tim Hartford here, too. Oh, put it out there. Yeah, I actually had to knock one of them out. He had the uh, alley fight between Patterson and Slaughter from 1981. That was under WWF, unfortunately, Tim. So. Yeah, that's WWE and WWF. Yes, but we do have... That's WWF if you want to get tactical. He might be, yeah, well, we got Flair versus Wyndham, Crockett Cup 87, Rock and Roll Express versus the Andersons, Iron and Oli, 86. I believe that's Starcade. Dusty versus Flair, 86. That could be Starcade or the Bash. And we got Piper versus Valentine in a dog collar match. That is Starcade. So Piper Valentine dog collar match makes a few lists here, too. And do you think that's only because they had the recent AEW dog collar match and kind of brought that up in people's minds? I definitely was a refresher for it at seeing the dog collar, but that is one of those matches. It might, I'm a firm believer it's the best match on the original Starcade. So yeah. For me, it's always in my mind. It's definitely me. better than that Flair race match bullshit. <laughs> Gene Kaninsky tripping all over the place like a drunk. <laughs> I didn't say Gene Kaninsky made the match, but you got Flair, you got race. In the equivalent of their WrestleMania, the biggest collision of the time i to me it's just a work of art you know I what an, i think on an election day we're better off not talking about race <laughs> as much as i love flair versus race not at stock 883 they fucked it up hard to believe two great pros did it in fact i won't blame them i'll blame it on that drunk ass referee gene kaninsky who tripped over the place the whole time <laughs> so you know this one, my first one's going to blur the timeline a little bit. This might be WCW. Uh-huh. I'm going with Sez versus Kaniski. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, it was, not, it was Sez versus Fritz that you wanted on your list. E- exactly. My bad. <laughs> no, my first one on the list actually was the dog collar match. I, I am a big fan of Greg Valentine and Rowdy Piper. They absolutely tore it up at the first Starcade. That match is always going to live in the minds of people. Another great one, actually, if you go back and you love pure wrestling, Dory Funk versus Jack Briscoe 
for uh, Jordy Funk's first championship. Absolutely incredible match. I just uh, fell asleep. Hold on. <laughs> would that have been championship wrestling from Florida? No, that was technically because it's an NWA world title match. Is technically still under the NWA banner. You got to remember all of those regional matches back then when going for the NWA title was sanctioned by the NWA. Okay. So, so, so that's definitely an NWA match. True. Another great one for me, I'm definitely, you know, I'm a huge Terry Funk fan. And his I Quit match with Ric Flair, obviously one of the great matches of all time. Flair and Steamboat, Chi-Town, I'm a fan of the Chicago match. Hmm. And then my last one is actually the I Quit match between Tully and Magnum T.A. There you go. A hell of a list. I'm surprised you went with Chicago, being that's where Steamboat actually won the belt, but it is a good um, one. I think was actually Steamboat winning the belt. Mm-hmm. I think that the other matches were great too, but as much as I'm a Flair fan, I think that the best match that they had was actually Steamboat going over. And it was the defining moment of his career other than WrestleMania three. So it was kind of cool to see for Ricky. All right, my list, I got, I'm going to include Sidetown Rumble as well. Flair Steamboat, definitely on my list. Terry Funk and Ric Flair, I quit match. Guys, in the earlier episodes of the podcast on Dave Remembers, a segment we forgot about, I talked about this match. Flair, Funk, I Quit match. Come on. Of course I'm going to put this on my list. Also, a little uh, fun one here for you. I think AJ and me actually talked about this, but he didn't put it on his list, so I'm going to put it on my list. Best of seven with Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff. I'll take match number seven, but that whole series was just awesome. Uh, to be honest with you, Dave, that's a great pick. The only reason I ended up keeping it off was because I didn't want to have to choose between the seven matches. Yeah, that's fair. I went with, I went with number seven. I'm going to also include uh, another I Quit match in there, uh, Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA. And uh, also just to jack off somebody else's picks, Scott, the first War Games. You fucking got it, baby. I'm putting it in there, too. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were stealing Dory Funk. I'm not stealing that snooze fest. <laughs> All right, Dave, now that we got the first round on, who did you see that showed up on the most list? I mean, the Flair Funk, I quit's got to be on there. It's got to be on there. Well, the problem with Flair Steamboat is so many of the matches were picked, but it wasn't necessarily the same one. True. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Flair Steamboat Wrestle War '89 in there. I feel like that one went in there a little more. I'm gonna make that decision over the Dog Power match. That's because we saw Flair Steamboat, but you gotta include Tully and Magnum's I Quit match because that was in there plenty of times as well. So I think that's the top three we're looking at here. I'm gonna say Flair Steamboat Wrestle War '89 and both I Quit matches. And by the way, just this shows you too when an I Quit match is done properly, it's one of the best matches you can do. Absolutely. So, AJ, how about this? Who would you boot off this list out of those three? Jesus. <laughs> ah, Christ. I don't want to be playing heel. Let's be the heel, bud. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting rid of the I Quit match. Which one? Both of them. Yeah, both. No, the, um, Tully and um, Magnum. Okay. Wow, why did you pick that over the Flair Funk one? Because I think Flair and Funk, the reason why it's on so many lists is because it's the... I've said this a million times, it's the originator of hardcore. Mm -hmm. Those two actually have meant so much 
to what wrestling has become today. And I think that that match belongs on the list. Whereas as much as I love Magnum and Tully and they did make my list, I think that that match just doesn't mean as much today as it did then. I'll tell you what, as much as I could tell he was kind of pulling that one out there a little bit, I'm going to agree with him. I would take that one off the list too. I would have it down to that great wrestling classic of Steamboat Flair versus the intensity of Flair and Funk. But at the end of the day, because Flair and Steamboat was watered down a little bit on this list, I don't think anything matches the intensity anyway of Flair and Funk. This is Funk at its absolute best in my mind, and Flair is right there too. Absolutely the best match of all time. It takes home the gold. Flair Steamboat Wrestle War 89 is the silver, and Tully and Magnum is the bronze. And that's how I'm laying it down. All right, all right, I've got I've got to wrap up. The warden's calling me from my cell. All right. <laughs> all right, folks. When you hear the music, you know what it means. Thank you for joining us on another week of the 531, and we will talk to you again next week. Later. Later. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 